0: Welcome, everyone, to a midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team, ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. So a little bit late for the first episode of the week, but with holiday Monday, and then yesterday was baseball's trade deadline, and my phone is going off and making loud noises, which is super professional of me, but we're going to leave all this in. Um, With all of that going on, I thought it was best to wait until today to bring you this episode. So it's going to be a lot of trade deadline talk, a couple flames contracts, and some legends talk at the end. Hopefully you enjoy the show today. We begin with Major League Baseball. It is the trade deadline. Well, it is now past the trade deadline. We are post-trade deadline. No more trades, no waiver thingies, um, which a lot of people saying, oh, I hated those. It was fun. I think the more you can have player movement, the better. Now, I understand from a player standpoint, it probably sucked to be traded with a month left in the season. Um, But still, I I thought waiver trades were really interesting. Um, And so I miss them. I miss waiver trades. But the focus of this is going to be on the Toronto Blue Jays. And the focus of my Toronto Blue Jays talk is going to be frustration. And this is one of those things. I said it at my last job. And I will say it here. Two things can be true. Um, One is the Toronto Blue Jays are a better baseball team today than they were even at this time yesterday when they hadn't fucking done anything yet. But the Blue Jays are a better team today than they were a week ago, which is what you want your organization to do when you are in the midst of a playoff chase. Now, the, the chase part of the playoffs isn't uh, as dramatic. The Blue Jays, um, as you're listening to this, you probably know what happened in the Jays-Rays game today. I don't. Um, but the Blue Jays are four games clear of everybody in the wild card and 11 games back of the Yankees for sec or for first in the American League East. So they are in, not that four games uh, at the beginning of August is a lock. I mean, even 11 and a half uh, or 11 isn't a lock. but Uh, I like that I, well, actually, 11 isn't a lock, 11 and a half is, but, um, like, it's a tricky spot that the Blue Jays are in. But, yes, the Blue Jays now are a better baseball team, which is what you're looking to do when you are in the midst of this playoff race. However, they also, in this trade deadline season got further away from the top teams in the division and the top teams in the American League, the teams that you are going to be battling. Maybe not necessarily for a playoffs mod, but when you get to the playoffs and you actually have to face these assholes, then it's going to become a bit of an issue that they got substantially better and you got, eh, we improved a pretty good baseball team. So... We'll start, I guess, with what the Blue Jays did do, and that is acquiring a few pitchers and then a guy who, uh, until 24 hours ago at least, didn't get the vaccine. The first, um, that they acquire Bass and Pop from the Marlins, and then they acquire a fellow named Michael White from the Dodgers, and then they make the trade for Whitmerfield. They improved their bullpen, which is what you were looking to do. That, like that, that was one of the big things that I thought Toronto desperately needed to do, was just more quality arms in that bullpen, and Bass certainly is that. So you now... Guys, who you trust in the bullpen? Romano, for sure. Garcia, kinda. Simber, a little bit. And now Bass, who you I think you trust. That is that is an all right bullpen. It isn't a dominate in October bullpen, but it is an all right bullpen. I admittedly, I don't know a ton about pop to, to be perfectly honest with you. And with white from the Dodgers, it seems like he is like a high contact ground ball sinker slider type of a guy, depending on some people who you talk to, it sounds like there could be some swing and miss stuff in there. If they tweak things a little bit and we know how much I trust the blue Jays, um, pitching, Uh, pitching coach in Pete Walker and just the development team in Toronto how much I trust that they are able to maximize some of these returns and so because of that hearing that stuff it's like okay that there is something here it doesn't give you a lot of confidence that White gets optioned before the game today against the Tampa Bay Rays um and sent down to the minors but that one is I think a little bit of roster um manipulation I guess with Stripling going on the IL White can take stripling spot but he wouldn't be ready to help out with Kikuchi today. So, you just have to make things work for today and I'm sure he'll be up soon. But the the fact that he is expendable in such a way is at least a little bit concerning. But yes, the, the Blue Jays didn't prove their bullpen. Um Whit Merrifield is interesting. I don't I don't exactly know where he fits. Like a, a lot of people talking about George Springer insurance, which great. Yes, you you need that. Um as as kind of okay as Tapia has been, and as valuable as Zimmer can be in late-game situations with his glove um, and with his speed, they, like, Whit Merrifield is obviously an upgrade over both of those guys. Even at his reduced playing capacity the last couple of seasons, he is still better than those guys. He is not the all-star, maybe best hitter in baseball kind of a guy that he was a few years ago, but he is still a quality hitter. But on an everyday basis, I just, I don't, I don't know where he fits. Um, like, if if you want to DH Gurriel one day, and you can put Merrifield there. If you want to not DH Kirk one day, have him behind the plate. Like, you, you can shuffle things around. It gives the Blue Jays flexibility. It is the type of player that they like. The not being vaccinated thing, the fact that they don't know if he is going to get vaccinated or at least didn't know if he was going to get vaccinated at the time of the press conference is concerning. That feels like something you probably shouldn't base everything around from a, a Blue Jays perspective. But it's it's a little bit concerning. But yes, once again, none of this is to say the Blue Jays got shittier over the last 48 hours. None of this is to say the Blue Jays got worse over the last 48 hours. However... One of two things happened here. They either went big game hunting, it didn't work, they came in second in the Noah sweepstakes and second for Iglesias, which I hope they didn't come in second because that means they were literally just arguing a bucket of balls, or offering a, a bucket of balls, sorry. Um, maybe they just, like, took a bunch of big swings and just struck out this time. But everyone around them didn't. Like, the Yankees got better. The Yankees added to their bullpen with a couple of good pieces, and they added to their starting rotation with um, with Montas. So that, that's concerning. And then you look at the Astros who got better by adding Vasquez, um, and by adding Trey Mancini. You look at the Mariners who improved with the acquisition of Luis Castillo. And some of these are overpays. Like some of these, the the asking price was clearly very high. It was much better to be a seller than it was to be a buyer at the trade deadline in the year of our baseball gods, 2022. But still, when you look at the landscape of the American League, a whole lot of teams improved a lot. And the Blue Jays improved incrementally. And I don't know if there was a move out there, save for one Soto for nothing off of the main roster. Um, I don't know if there was a move out there that was going to make the Blue Jays so much better that you put them in the stra- same stratosphere as the Yankees and the Astros. But Toronto did get further away from that stratosphere. And that is incredibly frustrating because we've talked about it before. This is a... A young team, absolutely. But this is a team that is only going to get more expensive. And you are only going to lose more pieces. And you can replace them, for sure. But you're already seeing... Like, you already don't have Hyunjin Ryu, basically, for the rest of his contract. So, you're already starting to see... Like, you have to find replacements. And while Gosman, Manoa, and Barrios is a very good one-two-three, having Ryu there as a fourth was great. And now it's either Stripling or Kikuchi. And that is not great. And I, I just... Either my worry is that the Blue Jays think they're further away than maybe they actually are and didn't think it was worth it to go out and make a big home run swing, or they think they're closer than they actually are and didn't feel like they needed to go out and and make a a big acquisition. But the the fact that they only added a couple of like 6th, 7th inning guys and a player who is essentially a utility player at this point in his career is really frustrating and the like the, the Blue Jays, I think have had a few good uh, deadlines in a row and have made a lot of very smart moves. And this one this one legitimately felt like a pretty big miss for the Blue Jays and it didn't it just doesn't seem like they got any closer to being a team that I think a lot of people hoped they could be at the beginning of the year. Again, remember, before we knew that the the Yankees were going to be the best team in baseball, the Blue Jays were the favorites in the American League, and now it seems like they're not going to to be that. Now it seems like they're at least third. I still think they're better than the Mariners. I still think they're better than the Rays um, and anyone else competing for a spot in the Central Division in the American League, but... This is a team that wanted to do something special this year and I don't think that something special was losing to a juggernaut in the American League Division Series. I think they wanted to be that juggernaut that teams were losing to in the American League Division Series. So it was it was a very very frustrating day and it was frustrating to see some of the, the talk online. You can you can admit and which is what I'm doing now, you can admit that the Blue Jays got good players, but it seemed like the reaction from some who wanted to, um, it, it seemed like who wanted to seem smart. Whenever someone would complain about the trade deadline and what the Blue Jays got, it was, oh, well, the, It's if you actually research the players, they got good players. Yes, I'm sure they did. But the Yankees and the Astros got great players. And the Blue Jays needed to be the ones who were stepping up in raising their level not the other way around so it was it was a frustrating deadline as far as everything else that happened at the trade deadline is concerned I like the twins kind of getting after it a little bit um there was a lot of confusion at the beginning of the year why they signed Carlos Correa to that contract but now they are right in the thick of it in the the central leading the central and at, at least putting themselves in a very good spot to make the wild card round and Host in that wild card round is they they really solidified things. I am very very confused, I guess, as to what the White Sox think they're doing. I guess like they they've had a ton of injuries this year, but if, if anyone should know that injuries can happen, it should be them. I thought there were some opportunities for them to kind of bolster some depth and improve what I still think is the most talented team in the, the Central Division, and then obviously the big winner, the Padres. They go out and get Juan Soto, they make the, the big trade getting Soto and Bell. It is a gigantic haul, going back to the Washington Nationals. And I just, I can't imagine being a Nationals fan right now, because on the one hand, that is a great return. But on the other hand, over the last few years, you have lost Harper and Turner and Soto, and I get like Scherzer's not super big part of the future, but still... You've had these generational type players coming through your doors, and now look—you won a World Series in 2019, so it's that you don't do a lot of weeping for that fan base. But it just like these; those are the types of players that you hope to get when you look to tear things down. And now you've you have to start all over again. That has to be really, really frustrating. Uh, Just a couple of quick UFC notes. We're going to do more on UFC 277 coming up this weekend. Uh, Brandon Moreno with. Um, a big win there. Definitely setting up a a fourth fight with Davison Figueredo Amanda Nunes, I apologize to Amanda Nunes because that was a sound and thorough ass kicking, and I, I I questioned at thirty four if there was the awareness to to come back from what she came back from in that loss to Pena in the first fight. If there was the awareness of what went what went wrong, whatever went wrong, it didn't in this one. She was dominant right from the word go. And now I think the fight to make is a fight with Valentina Shevchenko. That there is you do not mess around. Pena doesn't this is gonna come across more harsh than I wanted to. Pena doesn't deserve a, a, an immediate rematch. Immediate rematches are for champions who stood the test of time for a little bit. Pena, you don't win the title, lose it in your first defense, and then get an immediate rematch. I think Pena needs at least one more fight to get back into that championship picture. And while that is happening, you can put three belts on a poster. Valentina with her one and the two from the champ champ, Amanda Nunes and... This is the time to make it. You you had a bit of a scare with Nunez losing, and now she's got it back. You got even more of a scare when Shevchenko almost lost and needed the scorecards in her last bout. This is the, t- the time to make this GOAT fight. One more time, finish off the trilogy. I get Amanda has won the first two bouts, but the, the last one, was very. I mean, they've both been very close, and this is the time to make that fight, and I think it becomes the biggest fight in the history of women's mixed martial arts. Um, maybe not the most important, that's obviously... There's a couple of other ones in there, but that this one has the opportunity to like kind of establish once and for all, at least for now, who the GOAT is in women's MMA. But, um, yeah, a, a one of those like immediately you see how the fight's going is like, oh, yeah, I, I got this one wrong. That is that is. My bad. So, uh congratulations to Amanda Nunes. The the sports world um, lost a couple of legends this week as Bill Russell and Vin Scully passed away. First on, on Vin Scully, who passed away while I was at a drag show last night. Um... I, I said on Twitter that there are three types of play-by-play people. There are those whose play-by-play, in one way or another, take away from w- what is happening. Either they make it too much about themselves, or they're just not very good. There are some who are kind of neutral. Like, it is just a, a white noise, it is background, it is inoffensive, it is giving you the information and not really enhancing anything. And then there are those who enhance the game. There are those who add to the moments. And Vince Scully... Uh, Not only did he add to 25 World Series championships that he broadcast, but he enhanced every third inning of a Tuesday afternoon game in June. Every moment that Vin Scully was on the call for was better for having Vin Scully on the call for it. And that is such a rare and unique trait for a broadcaster. Um, One one of the, if not the greatest to ever do it in baseball. Certainly the best storyteller in the history of the sport. And maybe in the history of broadcasting. Just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal life ends at the age of 94. And Bill Russell, his legacy is a little bit more, um, confusing and it shouldn't be. It's confusing because he had to, he had a very, um, tenuous relationship with the city that he was a legend in for so many years because of how they treated him. Any confusion about his legacy has nothing actually to do with Bill Russell, but it's just like there was a time where he and... The, the city, and kind of the league were at odds, but I, I'm so happy that that got rectified in the last little while, and he was a, a major part of the basketball world and the basketball landscape. And I think it was something that the NBA has done that is so much better than what any other sport does when it comes to legends. I get we talk about baseball not really marketing the the future stars very well. I don't know if they market the past very well either. I think there's just a grand marketing issue in the sport right now. But you look at the legends who are around. And yeah, some legend shit talk for sure, but like Kareem showing up to games, Bill Russell being there on, and talking with Kobe Bryant and handing out the MVP award to the next generation. The NBA looping the legends in, they do that better than anyone. And Bill Russell was a major part of it. He, one of the great winners in the history of the sport, uh, in the history of all sports, again. And I get that that can be a bit of a frustrating phrase for some of us at times. Because, oh, this guy's just a winner. It's like, well, can you give me a little bit more than that? But Bill Russell gave you more than that. Bill Russell was the reason for for team success. He just understood what it meant, what his role needed to be for his team to to reach the pinnacle and then you get into everything he did off of the court for the civil rights movements of the time and even continuing speaking out during uh the 2020 bubble when the players were deciding whether they wanted to to keep playing or not after the george floyd incident and just his impact on and off the floor it's it cannot be properly done here and so once again to both of them cannot thank them enough for their contributions to the world of sports and it's it's really too bad because this world Sports and otherwise need more Vince Scullys and need more Bill Russells, not less of them. And unfortunately, um, we, we lost them this week. That is going to do it for the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. They are your one stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Hoping to have a couple more episodes for you guys this week. I will talk to y'all later. I'm out.